Hello, and welcome back to the Drinking Liberally podcast, the show that combines good alcohol with some friendly political banter. I'm Kevin Wilson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Fenner. How's everyone doing? We're back to our standard format this week after last week's roundtable. If you haven't checked that out, go ahead and do so. I, for one, am excited to get back into the, uh, the weekly politics. Jeff, you ready for some news and brews? Yeah, let's go. All right, let's start with our alcohol then. Today is our first repeat brewery. This is actually our second beer from the uh, McKellar Brewing Company over in San Diego, California. I'm sure I butchered that name just as I did last time we had them. Uh, but th- the first beer we tried, uh, Resting Brewface, back in episode six, was so good. I just had to see what else they had in store. So today's choice is the Windy Hill IPA. It is a New England-style IPA brewed with some mosaic hops. It's pretty smooth, crisp, great mouthfeel to this beer. As with the Resting Brewface, I love the artwork on these cans. It's got these same stylized cartoon people on it, and in keeping with the name Windy Hill, the artwork's got these two guys, the wind blowing, one of their hats are being blown off. I think it's a great metaphor for this beer. It'll blow you away, because it's 7% alcohol by volume, and it's super drinkable. So this is a pretty dangerous one if uh, you get this in bulk. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't taste like 7%, that's Absolutely for sure. Absolutely not. Um, you talked about it being a um, New England IPA, and a couple of weeks ago you kind of explained the difference for us uh, amateurs on uh, East versus West Coast IPAs. So uh, any background on what makes a New England IPA a New England IPA? Yeah, absolutely. So much like today's beer, uh, New England IPAs tend to be very cloudy or hazy when you pour them out and that's a style that was really popularized in vermont i don't know if it started there but really got popular there and then kind of spread to the surrounding new england states so hence the name new england ipa overall they do have a lot in common with standard east coast ipas as in they're not as hoppy as the west coast ones and just have a pretty smooth taste to them um a lot of them got like a little malty flavor. yeah it was very good yeah yeah so that's the main difference the more you know no, you're, you're really <laughs> teaching me here. I actually, I enjoyed that beer. It's a very good taste to it. Very smooth. The 7% was surprising. Yeah. It tasted like a 5%, 4.5% beer for sure. I'm uh, a little disappointed. This is the last one we have. <laughs> I'll have to pick up some more. We'll come back to them. We'll, ch- we'll check them out again. As I said at the top, uh, glad to be back today. And Jeff, I'm glad you're here and that we both survived the, uh, the New Jersey apocalypse that happened last night. Wow. Do you, uh, you sit through those storms? Yeah, it was. Uh, we were actually out to dinner and uh, right by our right by our place, and it we saw the we all got the news alert at the same time in the restaurant. It all came through the phone. You get that screeching cell phone alert, but yeah. everybody's phone in the restaurant at the same time, <laughs> so it was very interesting. We definitely thought the apocalypse was on us. Tornado alerts in uh, New Jersey, tornado warnings, and get under cover. It's not normal for here. No, um, definitely. I haven't not. lived here my whole life. I'll kind of throw that to you, but. Uh, I've kind of been in and out of here since 2004, and I don't think I've ever gone through a tornado get undercover right now warning. That's no, for sure. definitely not. Um, I grew up on Long Island, and we had maybe like one tornado touchdown in my entire life out there um, in the 20-plus years that I was out there. Uh, I certainly haven't seen that in New Jersey, despite the severe thunderstorms we've had over the last few years. I was actually coming back from the train, walking back to my apartment, and it was downpouring. And I've never seen lightning like that before in my life. Craziest thing I've ever seen. Constant lightning. It was almost daylight. Yeah. It was just boom, 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 boom. It was amazing. I got back to my apartment complex and uh, I saw one of my neighbors come running out of his apartment. And he was moving his car. He's, he's like, oh, did you see? There's a tornado warning. 
He's like, I'm moving the car into the garage. I got to get it off the street just in case, you know, anything falls. I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of <laughs> took off, jogged uh, back to my apartment. Got, got home got in a hurry? Inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, glued to the Channel 12 News last night watching it. And uh, there was a couple times the um, where they were showing possible funnel clouds were right over Parsippany where I live. Uh, Morristown, I think one possibly touched down in Mendham, New Jersey. Uh, one damaged a high school. So, yeah, it was... Uh, it was an interesting night here. It was definitely not wild. something I was expecting. Definitely not. And uh, we actually have another tornado watch in effect today with some of our uh, uh, storms rolling through the area. Would you, in your expert opinion, think this has anything <laughs> to do with the climate change we're going through? You know, it certainly seems like there's an increase in severe weather. Yeah. So thanks, Jeff. That's a perfect segue into our next topic, <laughs> <laughs> which is the National Climate Assessment. Uh, you might be seeing this pop up in the news. This first came up last November, but it's back again. And the National Climate Assessment is a report that our government releases every four years. This is mandated by Congress. And the Trump administration, uh, for once, actually followed through on one of those things and released it on Black Friday of 2018. So the day after Thanksgiving, which is historically known as just like a black hole for news. That's where you bury any story because everyone's out shopping you're too hungover from Thanksgiving. You're not paying attention to what's going on. Yeah. So they dropped this report on Black Friday. And you might wonder, like, why? Like, what, what are you trying to hide in this? I'll just run down a couple things this report says, and I think it'll paint a pretty good picture of why the Trump administration want to hide this from the public. So the 2018 version, it's 1,600 pages long. It's, it's a beast. But what it does is... A uh, deep analysis of how the changing climate affects not only the United States environment, but also its economy and the health of its people. This is really like the holy grail of climate research in America. Filled with a lot of science. Yeah, tons of science. So you can see why, you know, this yeah, is yeah. going to be pushed to the wayside in a little bit. <laughs> GOP is a little bit of <laughs> science averse. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Let's run down quickly some of the effects on here. Some of the big takeaways from this report. You know, the supply chains, trade routes can be disrupted. That's terrible for our economy. They talk about agricultural yields, essentially how many crops you can grow. They're saying it could fall. By 2050, they're saying our yields would drop to 1980s levels. Only problem with that is that our population hasn't dropped to 1980s levels. <laughs> so that means less food for people, for more people. Right. Fire season is going to be worse on the West Coast. And in fact, because of the warming uh, temperatures across the Southeast... They're thinking we could start seeing fire seasons across the southeast of America as well. Terrifying. Yeah, very scary. If you saw any of those California wildfires this past summer, and you know what we're talking about. Uh, pretty devastating stuff. And then things like the acidity of the oceans can be rising. So that means less seafood. It's going to be killing off uh, food that we harvest from the ocean. And overall, it projects that we lose 10% of our nation's GDP, our gross domestic product, by the end of this century. So 10% off the top of our economy, destroyed solely by climate change. That's a big number. It's a huge chunk of money. That's a terrifying number. So even the people that are, you know, don't necessarily care about the weather aspect of it should be very worried about the economic impact of this. All right. So or both. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be a good person, <laughs> yeah. maybe think about both of those. Why is this relevant now? Why are we talking about something that dropped Black Friday? Well, it's relevant now because the Trump administration just announced that they're going to change how they assess the long-term effects and the impacts of climate change on America. Essentially, they're going to change how this report is done in the future. This report, as I mentioned, is done every four years, which means the new one has already started. 
except they're handicapping these researchers now. They know they can't refute the science, so they're putting limits on what they're allowed to research. These researchers can no longer look at the effects of climate change past the year 2040. It's really not that far from now. And they're also going to be prohibited from reporting on any worst-case scenarios ah. in this report. Because the administration doesn't want to see that news getting out there. Because a lot of what they've done in the past two years is make this situation worse by cutting regulations that have been put in place to cut down on greenhouse gases. So we're going to see more greenhouse gases, and we're going to have a runaway you know, climate change system here going. Yeah, rolling which is back. Kind of like a positive feedback loop where it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, they've rolled back all the Obama administration. Everyone everything they can they, find. Everything they put into yeah. to auto industries, everything they've put in has been yeah. rolled back. And this is terrifying because changing that window from today in 2019 to 2040 and just analyzing that skews all the data because a lot of the worst case scenarios of this report start happening after the year 2040. That's when we start seeing these awful wildfires and the agricultural yields I mentioned, the lower ones, and then the ocean really getting to a point where we're going to see sea life just dying off. So it skews all the data closer to today, which is a much prettier, rosier picture for the Trump administration to put out there. Right. I know it's weird to sit here and just talk about like climate science, but this is a huge deal. It's so scary that... They care so much about profiting in the fossil fuel industry and that they would put their profits above the livelihoods of, we're not even talking grandchildren anymore. We're talking about our listeners right now. Jeff, you and I, assuming nothing catastrophic happens in the meantime, we should be alive in 2040. That's well within our lifetime. Yeah. We're going to see the effects of this. And any of you that are around our age, you'll see the effects of it in our, our kids and grandchildren certainly will. And it's just so embarrassing that we have a government that just denies science outright. And then when they can't come up with a good counter argument, they just really kneecap the researchers to prevent any kind of report that contradicts what they believe, but can't back up with facts. A couple of things with this. You're looking at the people that are doing this and a lot of this might not affect them in 2040. Um, we're talking about people that are in their 70s. You mean the old white men in charge of the government? Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, shame on them. They have kids and grandchildren, I'm you know, supposing. But just to like completely, first of all, the news dumping on the worst news dump of the year that Friday. Every Friday is a bad, the day everybody wants to get their news out, right? Because yeah. by the weekend, you you're good. over the weekend. But that, like you said, that Friday is particularly <laughs> the news dump of the year. Um, and they're doing other things with this. Um, I saw that they're now calling natural gas freedom gas. <laughs> I laughed my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is the worst thing they've done since freedom fries. Yeah, the Department the of Energy now has changed their wording to call natural gas freedom gas to make it sound, um, I guess, more appealing to, to the general people that are more listening to this. More jingoistic, I guess. Yeah, I... <laughs> I mean, we're, we're seeing it everywhere. Effects of the weather are getting worse and worse and in places you don't expect, and it's just going to get worse. And this, like you said, handicaps, stuff like the Green New Deal. Now they can try to refute that based on this limited scope of, of data, right? They can say, we don't need to do all these things immediately because, look, this is all that's going to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, conveniently, your report ends at 2040. Yeah. I guess the world ends there. Huh? Yeah. Um, well, maybe. Yeah. Well, it might be. It might at this rate. <laughs> I'm glad you actually bring up the Green New Deal because uh, this actually really affects other legislation. We, we touched on the point that 
regulations have been rolled back in mass by the Trump administration. And a lot of people fighting against those rollbacks cite this report as proof as to why we need those regulations, saying we need to regulate the audio industry and cut back on their emissions because this assessment shows we have until this date yep. to really cut back on carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases before there's just devastating effects for the environment. And now we're taking that report out of the hands of the legislators because the future one will not show the same data. Yeah. It's all calculated. There's a reason they're doing this. Yeah, it's it, never in the best interest of anyone but themselves. And it's not even making sense. So they rolled back those restrictions that were put in or policies by the Obama administration under the premise that it was going to allow these auto industries to keep making jobs and not go to business or go out mm-hmm. of the country. And they did all of that. And still you have the plant in Ohio that's closing. It's done. I mean, so it hasn't done what they said. So they said, we got to roll this back. We got to keep these jobs in America. That was the big rallying yeah, they cry, made an right? economic argument for it that just hasn't panned out. Period. Not even close. Yeah. Um, so now we're hurting the environment with no benefit to the economy, which even if there was a benefit to the economy, still a terrible, short-sighted solution to anything. Um, but now there's no benefit. Now we've seen we've seen zero tangible hey, we rolled these back, now 20 more auto industry open. Nope. Uh, It just hasn't happened. So we have no proof that there's a benefit to this. And unfortunately, a lot of proof that we should probably take this a little more seriously. And if you're someone that lives in the Midwest and has been going through the same terrible storms I've been rolling through, we've had record number of hurricanes. I'm sorry, tornadoes. Yeah, Yeah, Um, we hate to focus just on New Jersey because obviously last night we saw some lightning and not anything major. There's a lot of people (laughs) going through legitimate tornadoes tearing through Cities, neighborhoods, uh, affecting livelihoods, people's lives. But it's Um, the same point either way. And it's the same cause is that these storms are getting worse as the years go on. And there's data to back it up. The intensity is just a whole different level than we've seen. Let's move on to our next topic. And that is the breaking news of today. Uh, Robert Mueller gave a brief statement to the public. So he came out of hiding and was finally we got to hear his voice for the first time in a while in an extended fashion. And he came out and essentially gave his Cliff Notes version of the report. The biggest takeaway of which that, you know, as I was watching, I was taking some notes. And I, I bolded this and underlined it. Is this quote. Robert Mueller says, quote, If we had confidence the president did not commit a crime, we would have said so. End quote. So this is far from the exoneration that Donald Trump's been trumpeting on Twitter over the last, you know, two months. Indicates that Robert Mueller really thinks the president did commit crimes, but really can't do anything about it. And he goes into detail about why he couldn't do anything about it. He says his office was bound by precedent, saying that the DOJ's guidelines that you can't indict a sitting president handcuffed his team. Yep. And because of that, even if they wanted to charge him, they couldn't, right? He even goes as far as to say it would be unfair to charge the president or to suggest charging the president in his report, because to accuse someone of a crime when there's no way to actually prosecute them because of those guidelines would be unfair to that person in their civil liberties. Right. Which I get that argument. They don't get a chance to defend themselves. Right. They don't get a chance to defend themselves. It makes sense. It's so frustrating to see this because you know the immediate question you would ask him is, okay, say that rule wasn't in place. Yeah. But he wouldn't take questions. What would you do then? 
if he wasn't president and you were presented with the same evidence, would you charge him? That's the clear cut question that every reporter, I hope, wanted to ask. But unfortunately, Robert Mueller said that he was not going to indulge in any hypotheticals during this you know, yeah. 10 minute press conference he gave. The tough thing about this is this might be the one guy in government <laughs> that's actually like sticking by precedent, his personal morals mm-hmm. on how he handles this stuff. Um, while everybody else is allowed to just pontificate on whatever they think, he's the one guy that's just like, no, read my report. Here's what I said. I meant what I said. I'm not going anywhere beyond this. I gave you everything you need to do your jobs is basically what I took from this. And he's like, and the fact that I have to stand up here and again, reiterate the fact that I've given you everything you need to do your jobs. And you're still asking me to, he doesn't want to, seems to want to get involved in the political dog and pony show of going in front of Congress when it's not under an investigation just to talk about this. He's like, no, read it, read what I said and do with it what you will. That's not my job. Do your job. I did my job. Um, The reason he was put in charge of this was because I think a lot of people thought he's not infallible, but that he would go by the letter of the law to every extent. He wouldn't step outside of the scope of his investigation. He would do the right thing. So if he did find stuff, you wouldn't be able to come back and attack his investigation. I trust that his investigation probably took every right step, especially based on this. I think he probably did the right thing throughout. Really, this is what we have now. This is what we have to work with. He made it pretty clear he has no intention to testify before Congress. Thoughts that, like, consider this his testimony. The Mueller report is his testimony. And his comments today closed the book on it for him. Right. Uh, He said that this is, you know, they're dissolving the special counsel's office. He's resigning from his current position to return to private life. That seems to be his wish. That's, I guess, is his decision. Congress could still subpoena him. Yeah, can I ask you a question? As a private citizen... (laughs) He can still drink be. every time Jeff says, can I ask you a question? Yeah. <laughs> Salute. As a private citizen, though, say Trump were to get impeached, he could still be brought back to testify on this report, right? He could definitely be asked to. Yeah. And then in worst case, if he says no, they bring him in. Okay. And he uh, seems like a guy that if he was subpoena would probably He would actually it. probably respond yep. in a positive way. I don't think he could people be. people in the Trump administration. I don't think he could be browbeaten on Twitter to not show up. Right. Yeah, speaking of Twitter, let's talk a little bit about uh, Donald Trump's response immediately after this. So Robert Mueller gives his brief statement at about 11 o'clock this morning, recording on a Wednesday. And about 11.37, Trump goes ahead and tweets, Nothing changes from the Mueller report. There was insufficient evidence, and therefore, in our country, a person is innocent. The case is closed. Thank you. This tweet itself, in my mind, is so damning. So damn it. It's like he's admitting that there's, yeah, there's evidence I did crimes, but you didn't have enough. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was, catch me if you can. Like, right. Holy shit. And what was missing from this? There was not a no collusion, no obstruction in this tweet. Yeah. There wasn't a follow-up tweet with it. And this is the first time, and I, but I think every time he's mentioned the Mueller report, I should say Mueller every time, right? Isn't that a thing? Oh, yeah. If you say Mueller, we have to drink as well. So, yeah. All right. So every time Trump's mentioned the Mueller report, that no obstruction, no collusion has been very prevalent in all caps, mm-hmm. terribly grammatically right there. And uh, well, that was missing on this one. Yeah. It remains to be seen if this is going to change any minds. I think Democrats already have their mind made up. It did change not. a mind, though. Yes, there's one. Brett Beyer, Fox News, who's been... Um, 
kind of their lead guy on the the Mueller report through this nice entire drink. thing. <laughs> he came out pretty strong. Um, just a real quick. Not Brett Beyer grew a, grew a spine? Yeah, he uh, came out and said the statement was striking, and he notes that it was not anywhere clear-cut as Bill Barr initially characterized it. He said, in fact, it was almost the opposite of what William Barr said in his statement. And for Fox News, that's that's damning. Yeah, that's damning. the strongest statement as you're going to get from Fox News. It really, I mean, some people will do it. Let's not categorize all uh, yeah, of them. Shep Smith, yeah. I, I think he'd be the other one. There's a couple that would come out and, and do the right thing here, but for... He's been a little bit of an apologist through this whole thing. Byer, I say that, that very nicely. Yeah. Um, but for him to come out, I think this is going to be really hard, and Trump's going to try. It's going to be very hard for their administration to gloss over this and flip this into a positive. This is not a positive for them today. I don't think so either. Yeah. And frankly, if they had had this conversation, if Mueller had come out and done this press conference when his report dropped. Prior to Barr. Prior to William Barr giving his version of Big it. Big difference. Huge difference in the public perception. That's why we railed against this on a previous episode of why it was so inappropriate for William Barr, our attorney general, to do what he did, summarizing that report and having the press conference in the way that he did. That was written in, you know, collusion with the White House. Yeah. They worked together on his press conference, William Barr's, that is. This makes a huge difference. And, and the tide, it's not, we're not turning the tide at this point, right? But you got Justin Amish from Michigan, who's not letting this down now. I mean, he's, he did a town hall which Republicans, you can actually do those. It's crazy. You can go in your and talk to your constituents. It's amazing. And you can actually speak to them, which you guys have completely Should stopped be a doing. requirement. Yeah. Um, one of Buttigieg's things. Um, and Warren. Yeah, sorry. Um, there you go. <laughs> but to see Fox News talk about this in that light, to see Amish turning, you know, hopefully we get a few more people behind this because it doesn't take all of them. Yeah. Right. It takes enough where we think that that impeachment process might have a little bit of legs. It's never going to get this is a slam dunk. Let's do this as getting through the Senate. But if we can get some legs mm -hmm. like that's all that matters. We need a few of them there to, to kind of jump on our side. And then it's 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 not going to be a question whether it's worth doing, which it shouldn't be right now. But it, it'll erase that kind of doubt whether this is a politically good move. Yeah, and just for clarification's sake, for anyone that's not familiar with uh, Justin Amish, he is a House representative from Michigan, a Republican. And My he home state. is the first <laughs> Republican to come out and flat out say that, yeah, he Donald Trump deserves to be impeached. Yep. And I'll put in the footnotes, he actually put a great Twitter thread together. That was fantastic. His argument for impeachment. He was very clear. Yeah. And he, he did yeah. actually one think, of the better jobs anybody did. Is I was about it to say that. I think he did a better job than most Democrats have done as far as outlining the reasonings for impeachment. So check that out in the footnotes. I think it's a fantastic argument that he put together. To close out the Mueller news for today, let's talk about what happens next. Mueller made it very clear, I think, today that he is punting the decision to Congress. We talked about that in our Mueller report special we recorded, and he really hammered that home today. He outlined the evidence. His hands were tied by precedent, by the DOJ's precedent, that he can indict a sitting president. But he said there are other venues to try this evidence, to look at this evidence and make a determination as to whether a crime was committed. And that's through Congress. Yeah. And that's the impeachment process. And it really sounds like he's saying, hey, guys, your ball. No, I felt this Batter was up. A, Let's do this. I felt this was a big do your job moment. Yeah, uh, like, that's what I, I can't away. give this to you any other way. Man, if there was ever, ever anybody in the world you could ever sit down and have a beer with and give truth serum to. 
wouldn't, oh, you, wouldn't you love wouldn't you love like 30 minutes you of, think we get robert Mueller on the uh, drinking liberally podcast <laughs> just, we're not gonna ever play this to the get public him nice but, and drunk <laughs> him spill all of his secrets uh, i think he's got some stuff to say he just seems like a guy that they like i said before they put him in position for a reason. He wasn't going to step outside of the scope of his investigation. He's always been a very measured and, by all accounts, honorable public servant. Both sides of the aisle have agreed to that. And I, I still think maybe, even though this is not the outcome and the smoking gun that maybe some Democrats would want, I don't think you could have asked for a better guy to be in charge of this investigation. I think he did a fantastic job. Whether or not you agree with how measured he's been in his response since— that's your prerogative, but I think he actually did a great job not playing, not coming off as playing favorites in this. He yeah. really just did right down the middle, did yep. his job. Yeah, you can't attack him for that. I mean, even the Trump administration hasn't given him a nickname or surprising, right? Personally attacked him. Um, they've been trying to not granted. What'd been, you call him? They've been trying to Silent Bob. Yeah, they, <laughs> they've been trying to flip, obviously, what he said into a positive for them. So it would look really bad if then they were attacking him on the other side. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens over the next couple of days, obviously. But he's kind of been shielded from the real attacks. Like when Trump's talked about him, it's been uh, Mueller and the 12 angry Democrats or whatever. Yeah, um, it hasn't really been an attack on him personally. Well, would you attack the guy that's investigating you? Would you publicly try to... Would I or would guy? Trump? Yeah, I guess that's two very different questions, <laughs> yeah. right? No, I think Trump has shown that he would go full scale if he felt he couldn't flip the words. I think, and no evidence to this, but I do believe they probably knew that he would play it down the middle. So they probably felt they could probably flip most of it without him directly refuting their flips, which is what's played out, right? He's done it, but in his exact words he put in the report and they he's also not he's not going to step out and be like no no guys this is not what i said he's not going to like turn it around to address specific situations so they also knew that william barr would play interference if necessary which we saw already and if it was a really damning report do you think we see any of it I don't think so. Right. I think William Barr withholds it, says it's classified information, and the public never hears a word of it. And the Barr thing's interesting. Um, our engineer, Yogs, you have you got your mic? Yeah. We were talking earlier about this, and you kind of brought up something that was it was interesting. It wasn't fact or anything, but you were talked about how Barr right now is in Alaska. Yeah. Can you talk about what what, what you thought might have gone down here? No, my cons- well, it's not a conspiracy theory. My theory is. Barr is far away enough, and Mueller probably decided, let me just make this statement now while he's not in the building. I can come out here. Who's going to stop? Who at the Justice Department is going to be like, no, you can't do this? You know, he got in all, front of the presidential seal. Yeah, he got in front of the, the Justice Department seal. Got That's up what I there, meant. Yeah, did, yeah. yeah, got up, did the actual press conference. And I actually feel like if Barr was in the building, he probably would have said, no, he's not allowed to do that. I think he found a little time here to say, hey, this is what's going on right now in the landscape. They're prevent. I don't want to testify in front of Congress. How can I get what I really want to say out of here without making it political? Do all that. It makes it government official because you're in the justice. It's not on 60 Minutes. It's not like in the street. Yeah, no. Yeah. Is in the building and Barr's not there. To, he's probably the only person that could tell him, "No, you're not allowed to do that," and he's not there. 
But and to, to kind of further that, he resigned right after. It was like the drop the mic moment. Yeah, it was a drop drop the mic. Bar can't come like, back and say anything about it. He's done. He's no. gonna go garden now and have yeah. a cold beer yeah. and he does. Bar, bar can't drag him in his office and say, "Hey, why'd you do that? Like, what's you know, there's repercussion? No, no nothing." I like that theory. It's genius, actually. If you think I, I like that, that theory. I'll, I'll put that in conspiracy theory territory. I wish we had uh, the Twilight Zone theme song. That we Do you not think that's plausible? I think... Why is in Alaska? That's a fact. Why hasn't he talked other He than got now? approval from the DOJ to have this press conference. So I, I have to imagine William Barr knew this was happening. Do you think, though... So I'll go further into the conspiracy. Okay. Oh, Do you think that Barr was able to tell Trump when Trump obviously probably flipped out, like, "Hey, man, I was in Alaska. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't there." Well, no, I well, think that's more plausible than Yogg's version. Actually, well, here's a good question. He was just trying to like get out of town, so he doesn't have to. He's sit like, there "Oh God, I know it's coming." Trump's screaming at the TV. Yeah, I think that's more reasonable. Well, here's the question to both of you: Did Donald Trump know this was happening today? No. Well, then what, if, if Barr knew, then why did Trump not know? This was one of the first times anybody's gone on to talk about this, that there wasn't enough time for Trump to get in front of it. And I think that's normally my Barth Normally Trump would have at least something. thrown a t- tweet out saying, Mueller's going to get up today. He's going to tell you that I'm exonerated. Like he would have been in front of this. Have we had any of that from him not getting in front of it? This seems very... We didn't know about it. I mean, this was breaking news this morning. Well, let me ask you. It was a like follow-up. 11 a.m. He's going in front of cameras. Period. I honestly, you well, texted me and you're like, 11 o'clock. Let's do this. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking well, about. Well, follow up. <laughs> if if Barr knew, would he have told Trump? Well, maybe Barr's trying to set up a little bit of his own get out of jail free card. Like, no, look, I didn't stop Mueller from doing this. Look, I was doing my job. And he's like, by the way, I booked a first class trip to Alaska yeah. <laughs> just in case Trump's upset. Yeah, well, I like it. All right. Nice work. Nice work. Let's put our tinfoil hats away now, and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll jump into one of my favorite recurring segments now, our weekly Democratic primary quiz. Hey! This week, we're going to have our producer, Yogg's quiz, both Jeff and myself. Uh, we'll both have the opportunity to answer what we think is the correct answer, so we might have two different choices here. But rules apply, same as always. If we get it wrong, we drink, and today... If we get it right, our producer drinks. So if the audio quality drops, you know why. <laughs> you ready, Yogs? Let's go. It's fair. Drop those questions on us. Okay. So as you know, today's is about Beto O'Rourke. Do we know that? I did not. Now know. we know that. Well, now I know that. There you go. So, <laughs> all right. So this is about so. Beto O'Rourke. So let, let's get it going. Question number one. What is Beto's given name? A, Michael. B, Francis. C, Peter. D, Robert. You want to go first, Jeff? Yeah. I'll go see Peter. Kevin? I'm going with uh, Robert. That is the correct answer. His name is Robert Francis O'Rourke. So I'm definitely losing all of this. All right. <laughs> so Jeff and Yogg's drink on question number one. There you go. Okay. He definitely would have the same name as Pete. What am I doing? Yeah, that was not garbage. That was, that's all right. You got redemption uh, coming up here. <laughs> well, that, so, was, that was a big deal, remember? Because people were bashing him for going by the name Beto, saying that he was trying to capitalize on Spanish uh, sentiment. People are stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he call it Ted Cruz for that or something? Was like right, yeah, and Ted Cruz's name is not Ted. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. the hypocrisy uh, there is crazy. So I know this came up on a peak question earlier in uh, earlier podcasts, but about same thing with languages. Beto is fluent in which language? A, French, B, German, C, Portuguese, D, Spanish. 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 
You are both correct. It's a softball. (laughs) You got to do those every now and then. Okay. This one's a little trickier. Question number three. Question number three. Beto at one point worked at a company called H.W. Wilson & Company. What did he do at H.W. Wilson & Company? No relation to Kevin. I was going to say, did he work for me? (laughs) Was it A, writer, B, editor, C, proofreader, D, he worked in the mailroom? Wow. I have no idea on this. I'm going to go proofreader. I'll go proofreader. You are both correct. Wow. All right. We'll drink for that. Just yeah, we'll that. drink for getting that right. I had no idea. I thought about mailroom for a second. Just seemed right. He's a hustler. Right? <laughs> All right, good I job. I thought that was going to be like a feel-good America story of him working his way up from the mailroom. <laughs> yeah, that'd be dope. Okay, good job on that, guys. So our final question, question number four. This harps on uh, one of the items that made news earlier this year. Beto was in a band, famously. They were called A, Texas Riders, B, the Mars Volta, (laughs) C, Foss, D, Brain Drain. Uh, I'm going to go Brain Drain. I'll say C, Foss. I have no idea how, but Jeff somehow got that Foss is correct. All right, (laughs) Jeff. Foss is the name of the band. (laughs) I'm not going to take a lot of credit for this, but... That just seemed way out of the realm of all the other answers. Oh, there you go. Good As job. opposed to Mars Volta. <laughs> that well, seemed like it made and the sense. reason Mars Volta was in there is because two of the members of Mars Volta were actually in FOSS. So that's actually pretty... You're kidding me. Ooh, I had no idea. Look at his trivia That's chops. a fun little bit of trivia. Uh, was in there. So good for Beto O'Rourke. And, uh, you have to drink. I got that right. Oh, there we go. Congratulations again, Jeff. Did I go three out of four there? You did. You <laughs> lost the first one. and then hey, the hey, next rebound. I'm surprised you didn't ask this question about things he hasn't stood on. Well, I mean, that's ridiculous because he's stood on everything. That's a trick question. Better work stands on Empire State Building. Statue of Liberty. (laughs) Thank you to our producer, Yogs, for hosting our most recent round of trivia there. That was a lot of fun. I haven't exactly shown out in these trivia sessions. We got to get a belt. I know the listeners won't be able to see it, but we'll get like a WWE belt. I just ordered it from Amazon. With my name on it. So great. There you go. We're in great shape. <laughs> Our next segment, we typically do a fake news of the week, but this week we're actually going to replace that with the hypocrisy of the week. This is disgusting. I am so angry about this, but not, I'm angry, but not surprised. We usually have fun with this one. This one sucks. Yeah. So this week's hypocrisy is from good friend Mitch McConnell. Our Senate Majority Leader, friend from of yours, Kentucky. not a friend of mine. So. Yeah, friend was in quotation marks there. <laughs> Mitch McConnell was recently asked this. Yes, sir. Should a Supreme Court justice die next year, or will your position be on killing that spot? Chandra, I've been Oh, we feel it. Yeah, you know, I, the reason I started with the judges, as important as all these other things are that we're talking about, I mean, if you want to have a long-lasting, positive impact on the country, everything else changes. You know, I, I, I remember during the tax bill, there were people agonizing over whether one part of the tax bill was permanent or not. I said, look, the only way the tax bill is permanent depends upon the next election. The next election because people have different views about taxes and the two parties and approach it differently when they get in power. 
<clears throat> what can't be undone is a lifetime appointment to a young man or woman who believes in the quaint notion that the job the judge is a follow the law. So that's the most important thing we've done for the country, which cannot be undone. Now, that might have been hard to hear. Uh, the question from the attendee asking Mitch McConnell was a little quiet there. But the attendee had asked Mitch McConnell, if a Supreme Court justice was to die next year in 2020, what would you do? That question is important because 2020 is an election year. Mitch McConnell's response is I'd fill it. What happened last election year? Right. That's it's kind of weird, right? Yeah. Something weird happened, right? Yeah. He had a really tough hardline stance on uh, Merrick Garland. Filling, yeah. Oh, Barack Obama wanted to fill a Supreme Court spot, nominated Merrick Garland. And because it was an election year, Mitch McConnell held up the confirmation and left that Supreme Court seat vacant the entire year. Wasn't fair for Obama to nominate a Supreme Court judge in an election year. Right. Because essentially he's saying, you're a lame duck, we'll let the next president decide. Correct. So he was punting it to the next president. And actually, I have a clip, too, of him back in uh, 2016 talking about this. The decision the Senate announced weeks ago remains about a principle and not a person. About a principle and not a person. The Senate will appropriately revisit the matter when it considers the qualifications of the nominee the next president nominates, whoever that might be. So Mitch in that quote says they will, the Senate will discuss the nominee from whoever the next president is. In that case, he means either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. We all know he meant Donald Trump. Yeah. And he would have left that seat open the entire time. And it's so clear now, because if you listen to the other clip, where he says he'd fill the seat in 2020, people burst out into laughter because they know how this is going to be perceived and they just don't give a shit. Yeah, he was actually snide about it. When they asked him about it, his quote was, oh, we'd fill it. It sounds like he has marbles in his mouth, but those are the words that he said. He goes on to say that filling uh, judicial positions has been a major priority for him. (laughs) Oh, my God. And you could see that because they've been pushing through federal judges at an astounding rate. Breakneck. Yeah. Because they only require approval of the Senate. Republicans control the Senate. So anyone Donald Trump and his administration wants to put through, Senate Republicans are rubber stamping. Yep. Which is why we're about to lose Roe versus Wade. (laughs) That's why the Supreme Court is important. That's why these elections are important. So I know it's easy to get discouraged by politics. But so many of these decisions are made by a nine-person Supreme Court bench, and we have just one party controlling that right now. And so, like, God forbid somebody dies next year. The Supreme Court will be transformed. These are lifetime appointments. We already have Neil Gorsuch in there and Brett Kavanaugh. Yep. Trump's appointed both of them. Yep. If he gets a third person in there, this bench will lean Right wing. Lean's a nice thing to say. It's full right wing now. Yeah. All the way over. There's no defense on the other side. Tip the scale entirely for the rest of our lifetimes. Yep. So if you care about anything like women's reproductive rights or rights for immigrants, asylum seekers, things like that, the the dreamers. Yep. 
like this next election is the most important one of our lives. That's and not, that's not, you didn't understate that. No, yeah, or that's overstate, not, a, not a, No, you so, didn't. Yeah. Sorry, I said that wrong. You didn't overstate that. Right. I know like, what you we mean. We are, yeah. it won't matter what happens with the presidential election in 2020 if they get another seat on the Supreme Court. It just won't matter. And the people they put on are not older, per se. Like, we're talking for a really long time. This oh, yeah. is going to be Gorsuch and Kavanaugh are not old people, com- uh, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the bench. Yeah. So that's and not worrisome. And, and just really goes to show, like, I'm of the opinion that Mitch McConnell, more so than Donald Trump, has done more to damage this country than any other person. He has destroyed norms from the Senate. He won't bring up a single bill that Democrats propose. He, is, he doesn't give a shit about anybody but himself. He just cares about maintaining power. He doesn't care that he's hated. Nope. Even in Kentucky, his approval rating is not fantastic. Yep. But he doesn't care. He just, as long as he gets in by that slim margin and wins, that's all he cares about. And if it comes, if sticking it to the Democrats is something he gets to do, like he relishes that ability. And I know like owning the libs is such a a fun thing for a lot of Republicans right now. But like people are going to suffer because of the decisions this guy made. And to bring it full circle back to the Mueller report, he's also the one that is refusing, refusing to bring any election security bills to the Senate floor. Yeah. He will not do it. And today in Mueller's statement, he reiterated, we were attacked by Russia in 2016. Mueller made that very clear. He, he didn't say they meddled. He didn't say they got involved or influenced. He said we were attacked, like a, a war attack by Russia. And look it up, guys. McConnell is refusing to bring any Senate bills to the floor. He won't do it for election security. He doesn't want to discuss it. He will not bring them up for vote. He doesn't care. Um, You know, I don't know what's worse. I don't know if the Supreme Court thing is worse. The fact that he probably doesn't want to stop interference from hostile countries is probably worse than us having an American on the bench that leans right. He also is the guy that held up the announcement of Russian interference during the Obama administration. Like, the Obama administration knew that Russian bots were doing these mass social media campaigns and they wanted to make an announcement about it. They had to bring in their Senate, you know, and House representatives. And at the time, Mitch McConnell was still majority leader, as he is now. And he flat out said, No, do not tell people about this. And like this is widely documented that he had no interest in letting the American people know that this was going on in advance of an election. Which I think is pretty important information. Do you think that we, these Democrats, it seems like we're playing just by a different set of rules on this stuff. It seems like we're playing by the rules. Right. But it's a different set of rules because we're playing by the rules. And now it's. I think we're playing a different game at this point. But now it's skewing this so far in the other direction. Like we're getting lapped because we're like, we're playing directly down the middle. And they're not like they don't like it's not like you talk about he had a view in 1992 that he changed in 2016. Mm-hmm. Right. Those things we've discussed on here. Listen, somebody can change their mind in 20 years. That, yeah. that happens. We've all had that happen. Right. We've thought one thing. We've changed it to go from 2016 saying lame duck. We got to let this election play out to put somebody in the seat to literally four years later going. No, we'd fill that right now. No, we're, we're no. 
That is my, what do you say? You said it was like his number one priority to put judges into the yeah, spots. which has a lasting impact on the landscape of this country. It's so fucking see-through. Yeah, so in conclusion, Mitch McConnell sucks. Sucks. I think he's been the worst thing since probably Newt Gingrich. As Can I ask you if we had a choice norms. to get him out in 2020 or Trump out in 2020, but we had to pick one? And we could replace both with a Democrat. Where do you go? Do we get the rest of the Senate as well? Or is it just Mitch McConnell out? It's either McConnell or Trump. One that's actually affecting policy and one that's just tweeting. I would take getting McConnell out. If we, if we also took the Senate. Yeah. I, if we I controlled did. the House and the Senate and Trump's just neutered. I, I would, would take actually that. take McConnell and they could still have the Senate. Yeah. Ooh, that's... Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't think... I think this guy's... Like you just said, you made the very... The point of how damning this is for us going forward i think he's way more dangerous because if we get a democrat in there and he can hold up these appointments the same way that mcconnell is maybe we flush this thing out in four years well the thing is we don't hold up those appointments unless we have a majority in the senate so mitch mcconnell by nature of being the senate majority leader decides what comes to the floor and has that that say so just replacing him doesn't necessarily oh i have an fix idea the problem for us Let's get rid of both of them. That sounds great. Okay. Let's work on that. All right, good. (laughs) (laughs) So to wrap up our episode today, we're going to do some rapid fire things to keep an eye on. Run down some bullet points for you here. Over in North Carolina, we have some news where uh, Jamie Harrison, he's the former chairman of the South, uh, South Carolina Democratic Party, announced a run for Lindsey Graham's Senate seat. That's very exciting. Let's go. He's got my full support already solely for running against Lindsey Graham. In other Senate news, we have more in Alabama, where Roy Moore wants to run again. A lot of Republicans actually are not a fan of this, which I think is smart on their part because... Run, Roy, Roy, run. If you don't remember, Roy Moore ran against Doug Jones. Doug Jones, the Democrat. Roy Moore, the Republican. And a lot of really shady shit about Roy Moore came out from his past of him hitting on underage girls and... Or worse. Yeah. yeah, patrolling the local mall to try and pick up girls. It was just weird, creepy. And we don't need a guy like this in the government at all. Donald Trump himself admits, I have nothing against Moore, but he didn't win and probably won't. Donald Trump only cares if someone can win. He doesn't care if this guy is accused of being very much into the younger girls by his own admission. Yep. So Run, Roy. Run. I don't think you have a chance to win there, so... Go nuts. Ugh. Moving on to some uh, su- more Supreme Court news. The Justice Department's actually asked the Supreme Court to move quickly on uh, DACA. And this is a move meant to compel the uh, Supreme Court to hear oral arguments on ending DACA. This is related to the Dreamers that we actually referred to earlier in this episode. Frankly, have, deserve to stay here. They've been protected up yeah. to this point. And so those arguments could take place potentially during the 2020 election. That could be a huge talking point and something that Republicans and Democrats are certainly going to be divided on. It hasn't really done well for Democrats as a messaging thing, but it's the right moral move to protect those children. And finally, things to keep an eye on. We actually saw a little bit of a split um, on the topic of North Korea, and that's between Donald Trump and our acting defense secretary, Pat Shanahan, because we still don't have a defense secretary in this country because Trump refuses to fill positions but we might go to war weird yes yeah great <laughs> pat shanahan this is our acting defense secretary was commenting on recent ballistic missile tests by north korea 
and he said flat out, these are short-range missiles. They violate the UN Security Council resolutions outlawing this. North Korea should not be doing it. Donald Trump responds to this by saying, quote, there have been no ballistic missiles going out. There have been no long-range missiles going out, end quote. Okay, sure. Despite all the evidence to the contrary and the satellite images we have of these missiles going out, and then he goes on to contradict himself later on, saying, North Korea fired off some small weapons, which disturbed some of my people and others, but not me. So he's comfortable, so we should be good. Yeah, yeah. And like the phrasing of my people bothers me a little bit on that, too. Just the fact that he's like, he treats it as if it's a business and not a government. These are just my people. Those are our topics to keep an eye on this week. To close out our episode, Jeff, you have anything to plug? Yeah, um, so shout out to... Uh, Crooked Media, crooked.com. They have a campaign going called the Fuck Jerry Mandering Fund. Nice. And they're looking for um, donations to try to kind of get behind and redraw the districting maps in places. Um, so check out crooked.com. Again, it's the Fuck Jerry Mandering Fund. So go check that out. If you have some money to donate or you can get involved in that. Again, as we talk about how important these 2020 elections are on every level, getting these maps redrawn fairly is probably the biggest fight we can do and have a chance at to make sure that voices are actually heard. Sounds like a great cause. I'm 100% behind that. Great name, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that does it for another episode of the Drinking Liberally podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at drinking underscore lib pod. You can also check out our website, for some behind-the-scenes photos and some footnotes, including links to everything we talked about this episode, at www.drinkingliberallypod.com. And of course, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. We truly appreciate all of you that have done so already. We'll talk to you all next week. Cheers.